Hello, and welcome to the Council Culture Podcast, a podcast where we look through the lens of counselling in today's culture to help and equip you to live life to the full wherever you are. believe that everyone should have access to and benefit from the core skills of counselling that help you do life well. Leading ourselves in relationships, mental and emotional health, work and navigating life in these really fast changing times. My name is Nicholas Marks and it is my pleasure to host Council Culture. Today's episode is brought to you by the Australian Institute of Family Counselling, AIFC. AIFC is your one-stop shop for all your Christian counselling training needs, whether it's to become an accredited Christian counsellor for your own personal growth or for ongoing professional or personal development for you or your organisation. Go to aifc.com.au. Also, if you or people you know have said, where can I find a good Christian counsellor to see, especially in the hard times we're now in, well, now you can tell them Go to My Christian Counselor, that's one word, My Christian Counselor with two L's, mychristiancounselor.org.au to find and connect and see a Christian counselor of your choice safely and securely on your own terms. Again, that's mychristiancounselor.org.au. Today's episode is the introduction to a new series called under pressure. Around the world, in Australia, in your city or town, in your street, building or perhaps in your home, we're under pressure in really unique ways. So we want to understand the ways that we're under pressure and offer and explore helpful, timely and practical wisdom and things that we can each do to flourish under pressure. This is a really important series and the Council Culture team are excited to bring it to you. In this series, we want to talk with some really wise and wonderful people to glean their insights and and bring that to you in the next episodes that are ahead, including parenting under pressure, faith under pressure, relationships and community under pressure, finances under pressure. In all of these, we're going to look at what are the important aspects of especially mental and emotional health in each of those topics. Well, today... We're going to introduce the Under Pressure series with a, a unique way to do that, a starting point. I'm going to unpack Learning in Wartime by C.S. Lewis, which has some very, very timely and wise reminders to us in our context today. So I want to dedicate this to everyone who is undertaking a study, a training and education, learning and growth, or parenting school-aged children trying to do school from home amidst the pandemic or studying online. And also those of you who are wanting or needing to retrain and educate yourselves for the next season. I hope this is an encouragement to you. Today's podcast has a timely message and theme to it. We've designed it so if you can, uh, not while you're driving, but if you can sit down somewhere quiet with a pen and paper and write some of these things down and contemplate and hopefully act on some of the questions asked. So first, let's look at some of the big themes and then the three things that Lewis articulates that are the enemies to learning and growth. And then I want to look at seven ways, seven truths or seven actions that we can put into place uh, to support and, and 
optimize the opportunity for learning and growth at this time. For that reason, I think it important to try to see the present calamity in a true perspective. The war creates no absolutely new situation. It simply aggravates the permanent human condition so that we can no longer ignore it. Human life has always been lived on the edge of a precipice. Human culture has always had to exist under the shadow of something infinitely more important than itself. If men had postponed the search for knowledge and beauty until they were secure, the search would never have begun. We are mistaken when we compare war with normal life. Life has never been normal. Even those periods which we think most tranquil, like the 19th century, turn out, on closer inspection, to be full of cries, alarms, difficulties, emergencies. Plausible reasons have never been lacking for putting off all merely cultural activities until some imminent danger has been averted or some crying injustice put right. But humanity long ago chose to neglect those plausible reasons. They wanted knowledge and beauty now and would not wait for the suitable moment that never came. So first, he reminded us, uh, his students, that they faced, they're in a crisis, and despite the current scale and ferocity, would in some sense always be with them. In other words, he reminded his students, as Lewis was talking to them, that a crisis of some form would perpetually threaten their personal growth and academic pursuits. Indeed, there will always be a rationalisation to put off schooling, learning. Second, Lewis also awakened his audience to the fact that far beyond the conflict with Nazi Germany, that that's what the context they were in there in World War II, lay a much more permanent war between good and evil. C.S. Lewis reminds us that those crises in many ways are nothing new in the lives of individual students or in our lives. And he says, I think it important to try to see the present calamity in a true perspective. The war, and I would add pandemic, creates no absolutely new situation. It simply aggravates the permanent human situation so that we can no longer ignore it. Human life has always been lived on the edge of a precipice. We are mistaken when we compare war or pandemic with normal life. Life has never been normal. So we might be tempted to think that engaging in patient, careful scholarship at such a time is akin to as Lewis writes, fiddling while Rome burns. And Lewis suggests, addresses these sorts of objections to learning and growth due to the uncertainties and urgencies of World War II by arguing that we must attempt to see the present calamity in a true perspective. A war or a pandemic does not really create a new situation. Rather, it, it forces us to recognise the permanent human situation that we've always lived on the edge of a precipice, normal Life is a myth. If we wait for optimal conditions before searching out knowledge of what is true and good and beautiful, they'll never begin. Lewis reminds us that past generations had their shares of crises and challenges, and yet human beings chose to pursue knowledge and cultural activities anyway. Lewis also argues that we should not sharply distinguish between our natural and spiritual human activities. Every duty, he said, is a religious duty. Whether someone is a composer or a cleaner, a classicist or a carpenter, their natural work becomes spiritual when they offer it humbly as to the Lord. Thus, intellectual pursuits of knowledge and beauty, even in wartime, in a pandemic, 
can and do glorify God, though Lewis warns against making scholarly success into an idol. If we delight not in the exercise of our talents, but in the fact that they are ours, or even in the reputation they bring us, there's always something to watch out for. What vocations are essential in a modern society? Well, during COVID-19 pandemic, essential workers are needed to remain on the job. The work of philosophers and historians and theologians, for example, may seem expendable, while the work of emergency doctors, nurses, vaccine researchers and truck drivers is deemed critical in a society being hard hit by a deadly disease. But not if we think of it in the long term and what really fosters human flourishing. There is no question of a compromise between the claims of God and the claims of culture, or politics, or anything else. God's claim is infinite and inexorable. You can refuse it, or you can begin to try to grant it. There is no middle way. Yet in spite of this, it is clear that Christianity does not exclude any of the ordinary human activities. St Paul tells people to get on with their jobs. He even assumes that Christians may go to dinner parties and, what is more, dinner parties given by pagans. Our Lord attends a wedding and provides miraculous wine under the aegis of his church. And in the most Christian ages, learning and the arts flourish. The solution of this paradox is, of course, well known to you. Whether ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. All our merely natural activities will be accepted if they are offered to God, even the humblest, and all of them, even the noblest, will be sinful if they are not. Christianity does not simply replace our natural life and substitute a new one. It is rather a new organisation which exploits, to its own supernatural ends, these natural materials. And so let's look now at what Lewis describes as three enemies that would seek to rise up against us if, if we, as we learn in wartime or as we learn and grow in a pandemic. And those three are distraction, anxiety and fear. Distraction or excitement, as he writes, takes the form of can take the form nowadays as a preoccupation maybe with social media, constantly scrolling Twitter and searching Google to follow the latest news and analysis about the number of confirmed cases, the perilous economic situation, the state of political turmoil in Canberra or Washington or London or China. This is not an obvious enemy to real learning and growth, and it feels natural to stay up to date on current events. And who wants to appear uninformed when people are losing their jobs and suffering from a lethal virus. And such excitement or distraction hinders us from pursuing what Cal Newport calls deep work. Uh, I'm convicted as I'm saying this, so I'd, uh, I'd say this to myself as well as to you. So there's, there's something in that for each of us. You and I can crave what seems immediate, exciting and relevant, and we're often too willing to break from our deep work that feels tedious or mundane to make sure we don't miss out on a friend's status update or the latest headlines about today's troubles. Well, Lewis cautions, if we let ourselves, we shall always be waiting for some distraction or other to end before we can really get down to our work. And there's never really an optimal time to learn an ancient language or write a monograph or a thesis. We must pursue knowledge and the work of scholarship, even when conditions seem unsuitable, precisely because favourable conditions never come. So friends, there's always a reason 
while you and I think now's not the time to continue your education and training and personal growth. And I would argue that now, although really challenging times, it's actually a really good time in the time of disruption to be actively pursuing learning and growth. More on that in a minute. The second one's anxiety, and there's a lot of anxiety about these days, acute and chronic. And anxiety is contagious. It's more contagious than the uh, the Delta variant. It's usually projected to some future state of what could happen or what we think the future will hold for us. And Lewis reminds us here and says, happy work is best done by the man who takes his long-term plan somewhat lightly and works from moment to moment as to the Lord. The present is the only time in which any duty can be done or any grace received. Thus, we should not respond to the foe of uh, frustration or anxiety with inaction, like the foolish servant who hid his master's money in the ground rather than investing it, as we read in Matthew 25, 18. Third one is fear. Fear is the third enemy that would confront those who would learn in wartime or in a pandemic. The link to the first two becomes clear regarding anxiety and especially systemic anxiety and distraction. Uh, In a sense, it's what we can feed our minds on at this time and is projected to us in the media so regularly and so uh, well constructed for us to consume. The pandemic has now impacted the whole world and hundreds and thousands have tragically died. It is tragic and there is real suffering, pain and death, yet we seek to magnify that which is good and true and eternal and not magnify fear and what may or may not happen. And as you and I know, some days we do this really well and other days not so well. And Lewis tells us in his direct but eloquent words, and he, he reminds us that in this world, in this life that we have, the death rate is still at 100%. None of us are getting out of here alive and we remember the words that Moses says in Psalm 90. Teach us, O Lord, to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. As a sidebar, I'm up to 17,984 days today. Some of them I've spent really well, and perhaps a good number of them not so well. It's most likely that I have less days ahead of me than I do behind me. Only God knows how many I have left, and I'm glad about that. Every day really matters, and living intentionally in the day is a great antidote to fear and what we therefore focus on. What does war do to death? It certainly does not make it more frequent. 100% of us die, and the percentage cannot be increased. War makes death real to us, and that would have been regarded as one of its blessings by most of the great Christians of the past. All the animal life in us, all the schemes of happiness that centred in this world, were always doomed to a final frustration. In ordinary times, only a wise man can realise it. Now the stupidest of us know. We see unmistakable the sort of universe in which we have all along been living, and must come to terms with it. If we had foolish, unchristian hopes about human culture, they are now shattered. If we thought we were building up a heaven on earth, if we looked for something that would turn the present world from a place of pilgrimage into a permanent city satisfying the soul of man, we are disillusioned, and not a moment too soon. But if we thought that for some souls, and at some times, the life of learning humbly offered to God was, in its own small way, one of the appointed approaches to the divine reality and the divine beauty which we hope to enjoy hereafter, we can think so still. 
So learning in war times is important. Read for us in the times we're in now. Here's seven ways or truths and seven actions that you can put into place in your situation to optimise your learning and growth, whether it's formally at school, college, or university, or a short course, or some self-initiated pursuit of knowledge and skill. Number one, know the importance of the season that you're in. From Proverbs 10.5, we're all in a season of disruption and change and transition, but you're also in a season in a season that will be unique to you, that will have unique characteristics to you. What are they? What's the season that you're in and the importance of it? Take time to reflect on that. Number two, calling. Calling is really important. Our callings change. We have a primary calling from God that is shared, to know him and to make him known. And each of us also have unique callings that will be situational and seasonal and distinct to you. How does the education and growth that you're undertaking or planning to undertake intersect with your calling at this time? That's a good question to ask. Number three, invest in people, relationships and community. Many of us have been deprived at this time of seeing people face to face, whether loved ones or friends, whatever it may be. Is now a time to think about those loved ones, connect with them in ways that the best way that you can. Are there people that you can reconcile with? Are there people who are different to you and perhaps they're of the next generation below you? Education, learning, and growth are good things to do with other people and enhance community and connection because you're doing it through a shared experience. So, thinking about How can you invest in people, relationships, and community at this time as you learn and grow? Number four is a bit of a different one. It's the Stockdale Paradox, drawn from the Jim Collins book, Good to Great. And it's from James Stockdale, who was a POW in Vietnam. Basically, he says that you must maintain unwavering faith that you can and will prevail in the end, regardless of the difficulties, and at the same time, have the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. So unwavering faith in that you will prevail and the brutal facts and the current reality of the situation you face. Hence the paradox. Stockdale would later state that other POWs, those who would say this will be all over by Christmas, did not do well. Number five, order or reorder your private world. I take that term from the book of the same name by Gordon MacDonald. It is a wonderful book and I commend it to you. During the crisis, something to think about and ask, as MacDonald does in his book, what needs to be reordered, as he says, in your inner garden? A solid audit and review of your life, particularly your inner life, is very important. And this is a great time to do it in. So here's a question I'd like you to take the time to reflect on. And it comes from thinking about our relationships, our thoughts, habits, parts of your life that may have served you well up to this point, but no longer do. They're past now, yet we can tend to hang on to them because they're familiar and comfortable, but they're not now who we are or who we're becoming. And so a question for you is, what do you need to let go of? Number six, daily routine. This one deserves special mention and is an important part of the antidote to the enemies of education and growth. They are distraction, anxiety, and fear. 
Your daily routine provides the scaffolding and informs much of your mood, in fact, and ways of thinking about yourself and others. The rhythms and disciplines that enable you to be at your best, even in lockdown, will positively compound into all other areas of your life. So your daily routine can become and is a really important thing, and it's good to think of it like a scaffold. Number seven, knowing your limits, especially at this time, what is yours to control and what isn't? Things that you can control, like your thoughts and your choices. And as we spoke about in the last episode, what is the story that you tell yourself? So number seven, knowing your limits. I hope we can draw on C.S. Lewis's lessons of learning in wartime. You may remember that there will always be challenges and crises in our lives, and there'll always be rationalizations to give up and lose hope for our education and where we're at. But you are learning from the present crises the very attributes of persistence and grit that will bless you throughout your entire life. Moreover, if you consecrate your studies to the Lord, recognizing how you can use your learning to build his kingdom, He'll pour out the power and capacity that you never thought you had. So you're in the midst of a sacred work. Your education is key to your personal growth and to realising your potential in him. He will bless you. And so the part of the episode where we're at now is the good counsel. It's a part where we talk about one practical tip, things that you can action, start or stop, or think on as helpful takeaways. Today's good counsel tip is to remember in the context of learning in wartime by C.S. Lewis that we're in a transition. And a transition is not about waiting and standing still till you get from here to there. A transition is a season in and of itself. And it has inner work of which learning and growth are a key part. Because the key to a successful transition is not that your circumstances around you change, it's that you go through the change. You go, change happens around you, you go through the transition. So the work is on you. And this is a great time to do it. It's a daily proposition. And we remember that we overestimate what we can do in a day and we underestimate what we can do in a year. Trust God and trust the process. Thanks for joining me in today's episode. I hope the timely and godly wisdom of C.S. Lewis was refreshing and helpful to you. In the next episode of the Under Pressure series, we'll be hearing from Mel Hay, a parenting expert. You won't want to miss that. If you know people who, like you, are passionate about growing and learning and transformation, why don't you share this episode with them and also hit the subscribe button and give us a review. It all helps to spread the word. We really want your input to this podcast, so visit us at councilculture.org.au where you can send in your questions or recordings on a variety of topics, which we'll use to explore in future episodes. Thanks again, and remember, together we can impact our culture through good counsel. See you next time.